Chapter Twenty One of Fidelity by Susan Glaspell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Ted entered the living room at his sister Harriet's, he felt as if something damp and heavy had been thrown around him. He got the feeling of being expected to contribute to the oppressiveness of the occasion. The way no one was sitting in a comfortable position seemed to suggest that constraint was deemed fitting. Cyrus was talking to Mr. McFarland with a certain self-conscious decorousness. Harriet's husband, the Reverend Edgar Tyler, sat before the library table in more of his pulpit manner than was usual with him in his household, as if, so it seemed to Ted, the relation of death to the matter in hand brought it particularly within his province. Ted had never liked him. Especially he had hated his attitude about Ruth, his avowed sorrowfulness with which the heart had nothing to do. He resented the way his brother-in-law had made Harriet feel that she owed it to the community, to the church, not to countenance her sister. Harriet had grown into that manner of striving to do the right thing. She had it now, sitting a little apart from the others as if not to intrude herself. Sitting there with those others his heart went out to Ruth. He was for her, he told himself warmly, and he'd take nothing off sigh about her either. He watched Cyrus, and thought of how strange it was that a brother and sister should be as different as he and Ruth were. They had always been different. As far back as he could remember they were different about everything. Ruth was always keyed up about something, delighted, and Cy was always putting a crimp in things. As a little boy, when he told Ruth things he was pleased about, they always grew more delightful for telling her. And somehow when you told Cyrus about a jolly thing, it always flattened out a little in the telling. A shrinking from the appearance of too great haste gave a personal color to the conversation. It was as old friend quite as much as family solicitor that the lawyer talked to them, although the occasion for getting together that night was that Cyrus might learn of an investment of his father's which demanded immediate attention. Mr. McFarland spoke of that, and then of how little else remained. He hesitated, then ventured, "'You know, I presume, that your father has not left you now what he would have had ten years ago.' Ted saw Cyrus's lips tighten, his eyes lower. He glanced at Harriet, who looked resigned, though he was not thinking much of them, but of his father, who had met difficulties, borne disappointments. He was thinking of nights when his father came home tired, mornings when he went away in that hurried, harassed way. He could see him sitting in his chair, brooding. The picture of him now made him appear more lonely than he had thought of him while living. And now his father was dead, and they were sitting there talking over his affairs, looking into things that their father had borne alone, things he had done the best he could about. He wished he had tried harder to be company for him. In too many of those pictures which came now his father was alone. He heard Cyrus speaking. Yes, he was saying, father was broken by our personal troubles. There was a pause. Ted did not raise his eyes to his brother. He did not want to look at him, not liking his voice as he said that. It is just another way, Cyrus went on, in which we all have to suffer for our family disgrace. Ted felt himself flushing. Why need Cy have said that? Mr. McFarland had turned slightly away, as if not caring to hear it. And then Cyrus asked about their father's will. The attorney's reply was quiet. He leaves no will. Ted looked at him in surprise. 
Then he looked at Cyrus and saw his startled, keen, queer look at the attorney. It was after seeing his brother's face that he realized what this meant, that if his father left no will, Ruth shared with the rest of them. Suddenly his heart was beating fast. "'How's that?' Cyrus asked sharply. "'There was a will, but he destroyed it about two months ago.' "'He—why?' Cyrus pressed in that sharp voice. Ted felt certain that the lawyer liked saying what he had to say then. He said it quietly, but looking right at Cyrus. He destroyed his will because it cut off his daughter Ruth. Ted got up and walked to the window, stood there staring out at the streetlights. Bless Dad. He wished he could see him. He would give almost anything to see him for just a minute. He wished he had known. He would love to have told his father just how corking he thought that was. He stood there a minute, not wanting to show the others how much he was feeling, this new, warm rush of love for his father and his deep gladness for Ruth. He thought of what it would mean to her, what it would mean to know her father had felt like that. He had had to leave her there at home alone. Now he could go home and tell her this news that would mean so much. When he turned back to the group, it was to see that he was not alone in being moved by what they had heard. Harriet, too, had turned a little away from the others and was looking down. He saw a tear on her face, and liked her better than he ever had before. Then he looked at her husband, and in spite of all he was feeling it was hard not to smile. His brother-in-law's face looked so comical to him, trying to twist itself into the fitting emotions. Ted watched him unsparingly for a minute, maliciously saying to himself, "'Keep on, old boy. You'll make it after a little.' Then he looked at his brother, and his face hardened, seeing too well what new feeling this roused in Cyrus against Ruth, reading the resentment toward their father for this final weakening in his stand against her. "'Well,' Cyrus began, but did not go on, his lips tightening. "'Your father said,' the lawyer added, "'that if there was one of his children, more than the others, needed what he could do for her, it was his daughter Ruth.' He was looking at Ted, and Ted nodded eagerly, thinking now of what, in the practical sense, this would mean to Ruth. Mr. McFarland turned back to Cyrus as he remarked, "'He spoke of Ruth with much feeling.' Cyrus flushed. "'I guess father was pretty much broken, in mind as well as body, at that time,' he said unpleasantly. "'His mind was all right,' answered the lawyer curtly. He left a few minutes later. Harriet, who went with him to the door, did not return to the room. The two men and Ted sat for a moment in silence. Then Cyrus turned upon him as if angered by what he divined him to be feeling. Well, he said roughly, I suppose you're pleased. I'm pleased, all right, replied Ted with satisfaction. He looked at the minister. Good thing, for I guess I'm the only fellow here who is. Harriet's husband colored slightly. I am neither pleased nor displeased, was his grave reply. Surely it was for your father to do as he wished. For a father to forgive a child is moving. I only hope, he added, that it will not seem in the community to mean the countenancing. He paused, looking to Cyrus for approval. Then Ted blazed out. Well, if you want to know what I think, I don't think a little countenancing of Ruth is going to do this community or anybody else any harm. Cyrus looked at him with that slightly sneering smile that always enraged Ted. "'You're proud of your sister, I suppose?' he inquired politely. Ted reddened. 
Then he grew strangely quiet. "'Yes,' he said, "'I believe I am. I've come pretty close to Ruth these last few days, and I think that's just what I am—proud of her. I can't say I'm proud of what Ruth did. I'd have to think more about that. But I'm proud of what she is. And I don't know—I don't know but what it's what a person is that counts.' He fell silent, thinking of what he meant by that, of the things he felt in Ruth. Cyrus laughed mockingly. Rather a curious thing to be proud of, I should say. What she is, is— Ted jumped up. Don't say it, Cy. Whatever it is you're going to say, just don't say it. Cyrus had risen, and was putting in his pocket a paper Mr. McFarland had given him. No, he said smoothly, as if quite unperturbed. And why not? At that uncaring manner something seemed to break inside Ted's head, as if all the things Cyrus had said about Ruth had suddenly gathered there and pressed too hard. His arm shot out at his brother. "'That's why not!' he cried. He had knocked Cyrus back against the wall and stood there threatening him. To the minister, who had stepped up, protesting, he snapped, "'None of your put in. And after this, just be a little more careful in your talk. See?' He stepped back from Cyrus, but stood there glaring, breathing hard with anger. Cyrus, whose face had gone white, but who was calm, went back to the table and resumed what he had been doing there. "'A creditable performance, I must say, for the day of your father's funeral,' he remarked after a moment. "'That's all right,' retorted Ted. "'Don't think I'm sorry. I don't know any better way to start out new, start out alone, than to tell you what I think of you, let you know that I'll not take a thing off you about Ruth. You've done enough, Si. Now you quit.' You kept mother and father away when they didn't want to be kept away, and I want to tell you that I'm on to you anyway. Don't think for a minute that I believe it's your great virtue that's hurting you. You can't put that over on me. It's pride and stubbornness and just plain meanness makes you the way you are. Yes, I'm glad to have a chance to tell you what I think of you. And then I'm through with you, Si. I think you're a pinhead. Why, you haven't got the heart of a flea. I don't know how anybody as fine as Ruth ever came to have a brother like you. His feeling had grown as he spoke, and he stopped now because he was too close to losing control. He reddened as his brother, calm, apparently unmoved, surveyed him as if mildly amused. That way Cyrus looked at him when they were quarreling always enraged him. If he would only say something, not stand there as if he were too superior to bother himself with such a thing. He knew Cyrus knew it maddened him, that that was why he did it, and so it was quietly that he resumed. No, Si, I'm not with you, and you might as well know it. I'm for Ruth. You've got the world on your side, and I know the arguments you can put up and all that, but Ruth's got a—he fumbled a minute for the words—Ruth's got a power and an understanding about her that you'll never have. She's got a heart. More than that, she's got character. He paused, thinking, and Cyrus did speak then. Oh, I don't think I'd use that word, he said suavely. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't see it, but that's just what I mean. He turned to the minister. Character, I say, is what my sister Ruth has got. Character is something more than putting up a slick front. It's something more than doing what's expected of you. It's a kind of... a kind of being faithful to yourself. Being yourself. Oh, I know, at a sound from his brother, just how you can laugh at it, but there's something to it just the same. Why, Ruth's got more real stuff in her than you two put together. After being with her these days, you, Sigh, strike a fellow as pretty shallow. That brought the color to his brother's face. 
stung to a real retort, he broke out with considerable heat. If to have a respect for decency is shallow— He quickly checked himself as the door opened and Harriet's maid entered. She paused, feeling the tension, startled by their faces. "'Excuse me, sir,' she said to the minister. "'But Mrs. Tyler said I was to tell you she had gone out for a few minutes. She said to tell you she had gone to see her sister.' She looked startled at Ted's laugh. After she had gone, he laughed again. "'Hard luck,' he said to his brother-in-law, and walked from the room. He did not go directly home. He was too upset to face Ruth just then. He did not want her to know. It would trouble her. And he wanted to walk. Walk as fast as he could. Walk off steam, he called it. His heart was pounding and there seemed too much blood in his head. But he wasn't sorry, he told himself. Sigh would have it in for him now, but what did he care for that? He could get along without him. But his lips trembled as he thought that. He had had to get along without his mother. From now on he would have to get along without his father. He had a moment of feeling very much alone. And then he thought of Ruth. Yes, there was Ruth. He wheeled toward home. He wanted to tell her. He hoped Harriet hadn't got it told. He wanted to tell her himself. Bless Dad. He loved him for doing that. If only he'd known it in time to let him know what he thought of him for doing it. End of chapter 21